It's time for the Cinema Geekly Podcast, episode 30. My name is Anthony Lewis. I'm Aaron De La Osa. Thanks for checking us out on cinemageekly.com, Facebook, Twitter, Google+, and on iTunes. This is historic. This is 30 podcasts. It's a, wow. a round number. <laughs> nice and smooth. And this is how many in a row? Oh, four, five, wow. something like that. Oh my gosh! You are and welcome, Internet. Take the zero off of thirty, Aaron, and what are you? What are we left with? Just, the, just the three. Just the three. As an Iron Man three, perhaps. Oh man! A little movie that came out. Not sure if anybody's heard of it or not, but uh, I, don't, I don't think anybody went to see it actually. Yeah, a little uh, underperforming at the box office, and by which we mean it opened humongoid oh everywhere. My gosh. To have a piece of that movie would be oh my god. Yeah, it'd be it'd be nice to have like an executive producer cred or one of those George Lucas bullshit credentials of, you know, executive consultant or whatever the hell he whatever right. the hell he's got going on for him. But uh yeah. Um <clears throat> uh, so I take it you have you have since seen the movie. We got the review up on the website. I have. I I wanted to let yours fester for a few days on the website before I before I came in with mine. Because I, I don't quite think we have enough geeky glasses for said movie. No? No, I, I would da- I would dare give it 7 out of 5. Oh, Aaron, you are a <laughs> big fan of this film. Yeah, like, like I, I was really – I was hesitant going into it just given what we you know, had already known about the, the twist with the Mandarin and all that. But the way it was portrayed, I mean it, it seemed like a really necessary kind of – you know, kind of plot device. And, you know, thinking back on it, I mean – for them to properly portray the Mandarin, they would have had to start introducing him in Iron Man 1 because it's such a complex character. There would have been no way – if they would have just shoved the actual comic book Mandarin into just one movie, uh, they would have had to leave out so much. It would just would have been just such a crappy representation. I mean it's I, – I, I love what they did. I mean I, I, I cannot fault it at all. So would you say you like this more than Avengers? Yes. The uh, – Hands down, the best Marvel movie that has uh, that has come out yet, and not even just the best Marvel movie, might even be the best action movie I've seen in the last fifteen years. It was pretty crazy, wasn't it? The the, the action scenes itself were so just gigantic, and oh my god, it just not stop. Like you literally felt tired after a couple of the action sequences. Like <laughs> you needed you needed like you know the break in between just to recuperate. For me, the the plane scene was my favorite when he had to do oh, the barrel yeah. of monkeys. Yeah. Uh, deal with everybody. Um, I thought that was that was pretty tremendous. I approve wholeheartedly of that. And from what I gather, I thought maybe that was like a lot of green screen or something. But in the credits, they're credited no, that was, as a skydive. Did that, yeah. So that was that was like a legit skydiving thing that they did, and then just CG'd Iron Man into it. Yep. Awesome. That's so tremendous. Um, As I mentioned, I mean, I don't want to try to compare it to Avengers because, honestly, it was a very different movie. I mean, this was different from all of the previous Marvel movies, really. It was like you you took Iron Man, mixed it in with, uh, God, I don't know, with like a a bit of lethal weapon with a little bit of No Way Out for like the espionage espionage part of it. I mean, it was just – it was the best parts of so many different other movie genres. I mean, they honestly could not have done this movie any better. Right, um, and I think this was totally the good, like the best possible direction to go in. They Absolutely. kind of, they kind of went for. I don't want to, I don't want to say toned it don't down. Use the word. Yeah, there you go. Because <laughs> they, they they didn't tone it down really. When you think about the action was so no gigantic, way. 
and humongous and uh as i said in the review breathtaking so many great action moments yes but i they they toned it down in so much as that this movie was more about i i said we we spend more time with tony stark than we do with tony stark in the iron man suit although we right. get plenty of that but the most like the the chunk the biggest chunk of the movie is really about tony stark not in the iron man suit yeah, um and some of the best the, stuff as the mechanic some of the best stuff happens yeah some yeah. of the best stuff happens when he's not when he's not in the suit um the the relationship he forms with that little kid oh i thought it was great oh uh, that was tremendous uh yeah. tony stark uh robert downey jr got to vicariously uh, every parent in the world lived vicariously through him during this because he was able to say things to kids that we're not we can't <laughs> bring ourselves to say to our own kids sometimes right or at least if you can you shouldn't right right <laughs> correct um he he basically did not differentiate this child from any other adult that he deals with and right. treated him exactly the same. I don't know if you want to look at that as a positive that Tony Stark does not uh, he views children as equals or uh if he was being a jerk to a kid. I think that that's absolutely a positive. Like that that just says a lot about, you know, like you know the, the, this you know like you said a, a genius billionaire playboy you know, philanthrop- uh, philanthropist is just you know he's basically just giving like a ten year old kid shit as he as he did to like you know Captain America or Thor I mean it it's just it, it's really you know just right the meat of Tony Stark himself right uh, the uh, and I guess the uh, the spoilers are out there but if you haven't seen the movie yet spo- some spoilers will probably come in this as we talk a little bit about the movie, so advanced and fair warning ahead of time. Uh, did the, uh, so the, the Mandarin switcheroo worked for you then? Absolutely. Okay. Cause I know there's definitely some people who did not. Oh yeah. Like it, you mean, you know, I, I'm, you know, I, I am a comic book guy, but I'm not so much like, the, like the comic book guy, like the, the Simpsons kind of prototypical, uh, you know, basement dwelling, you know, internet trolling, kind of just like, oh my Worst god, I can't believe ever. Right, exactly, yeah. I mean, it, it, it. Admittedly, when I first read about it, and we touched on it a, a bit a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. uh, I said either I'm, I'm going to love it or I'm going to hate it because it really, like, it was just that cut and dry to where it mm-hmm. could be really amazing if they did it uh, the right way, which they did. Yeah. But they also could have really screwed it up to where it would have been okay that they just completely killed, you know, Iron Man. But you know, they. Knocked it right out of the park. Well, thankfully for us, they put the two main villain roles in the hands of Guy Pierce, who was tremendous in this movie. Oh my god! And of course, the masterful Ben Kingsley. He was. So, he was so great. Like I, I, I think I like I loved his portrayal as like you know the the Mandarin figurehead, but I loved him even more. Just as this aloof Budweiser, as, as Russell Brand, essentially. Oh my God! Yeah, yeah, he's just pounding beer, like you know, banging out hookers. It's like this guy is great. Yes, um, he he really did essentially play Russell Brand for a he big really chunk did. of the movie, where he was just constantly wasted, British actor, uh, surrounded by women at all times. Yeah, uh, just wants to watch soccer. You know, he's mm-hmm. being interrogated by a uh, by Rhodey and, and Tony Stark at gunpoint, and he falls asleep. Well, but uh, <laughs> uh but guy guy pierce man he i think he should get so much credit uh and the way they did the aldrich killian character in this movie to me yeah. just screamed awesome comic book villain 
Even yeah. if he's not known, how I don't, I'm not well versed in the comics. What no, he, type he's of known. It, is he? It's he's you know just like he's portrayed this you know this uh you know uh you know with with aim you know the think tank just like a, a real kind of super genius kind of masterful uh you know uh villain. Uh, but but really, uh, what they did in Iron Man three, they almost combined a couple of different versions of him from the Marvel universe into right. and wrapped them up. Like they took like the best bits, like, you know, the, uh, you know, spoiler, like the ability to breathe fire, like the, the radioactive kind of essence they pulled from a couple of the versions and they put it in with this other money. It was, that was it, all it really, the, uh, the extremist stuff, right? That they, yeah. Yeah. They, they cherry picked a, a lot of the best bits about it. I mean, it's, you know, I, I, I cannot complain. And if there's one person, who would be jumping up and down, just hollering about it being complete dog shit? Like it would be me, but I, I can't, I can't complain about it at all. I mean, yeah, I mean, to me, the thing I loved is the, uh, like, if you remember, uh, Pixar's The Incredibles, and they <laughs> did a very similar. I don't, I don't use. I, I, I've seen this, uh, this talked about before. <laughs> I, I don't mean to, to, to throw it in there, but it's essentially the same thing where the the big bad guy in that movie is voiced by Jason Lee essentially becomes a bad guy because he's shunned by his idol. Right. Uh, and that is kind of what happens. It, that's where the movie starts is a, a flashback to 1999. And we're forced to hear that, uh, that blue song that nobody oh liked back God. then liked, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I was immediately transported back to, uh, to the end of my high school days when that, uh, <laughs> When that came on, but uh, yeah, he was just this. N- seeing Guy Pierce like that was so hilarious to me. He was this nerdy-looking, long-haired, half-crippled kind of guy yeah. who just looked like the worst kind of geek stereotype. And Tony Stark was like, "Yeah, whatever, kid." And he ultimately became the super bad guy in this movie. Right. And to me, that's just like that screams comic book. And if that. Uh, you know, I, I I just I don't I don't know what to I don't know what to tell people who didn't like this movie. I I just think it was was fantastic. It's for me. I don't know. Uh, I really I for me, Avengers I think is still my my number one out of the franchise. But this is number two easily, and it's right up there with the first Iron Man movie easily. Even though they're all, you know, I, as I said, Iron Man three is so different from all the other ones just because of the amount of time that they spend away from what we normally know as a, as a Marvel movie, they tend to stay away from that an awful lot. Um, I don't know how much of that is, you know, from, from the original concept to do this movie or how much of it is just Shane Black's influence on the movie. I, uh, I, I think that the definite, uh, a lot of the interactions just, you know, if you've, if you've ever seen any Shane Black's movies, you know, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang with Robert Downey Jr., like, you know, it was a Shane Black movie that, you know, yep. the, the tone felt very similar. It was all about the interactions of, you know, the characters, uh, Robert Downey Jr. and uh, Val Kilmer kind of played off each other really well in that movie. And it kind of, tra- you know, kind of put itself into this movie where, you know, he interacted with the kid and with uh, with Don Cheadle. I mean, it would Shane Black, Shane Black likes uh, Christmas. He really does. <laughs> That's a common Big Christmas theme. fan. Um, the whole narration of the story uh, felt Shane Blackish to me, or like the the thing at the very beginning where they kind of do like the outtake, but it's in the movie where Tony Stark's like, "Let me tell you about this," and then he's like, "Oh wait, forget that. that. Let it, me start again." That's very kiss, kiss, bang, bang. And as we know now, you know, or knew a couple weeks ago, it tied in very nicely with the with the after credits uh, scene. Yeah, because you know, essentially, that was the whole you know the mm-hmm. whole the whole purpose of it. That was my only real quip with the movie. 
Um, I think that would have made for a better mid-credit scene than a post-credit scene. Right. Uh, just because, you know, it, as horrible as it sounds, come on, let's all be honest, nobody likes to sit through four and a half minutes of credits. And uh, a lot of the times people are expecting something big, and what they got was something that was fun, but... They, 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 got a, they got a shawarma, essentially. Yeah. Like, um, we, we got shawarma. But, you know, I, I, I can see where people are uh, not complaining, but maybe, you know, a little dissatisfied. Like, you know, they, they felt a little, a little phase two teased, uh, like expecting to see some sort of a – like the previous Marvel phase one movies where each one had a plug or a lead-in to the next uh, movie. But I really think, you know, Thor The Dark World, I, I can absolutely guarantee unequivocally that there will be a lead-in from that movie into you know Guardians of the Galaxy, you know the next Captain America, or uh, or maybe even touching on Ant Man slightly. Like there's got to be some sort of correlation between those two. I'm I'm inten- I'm inclined to say that it's going to go towards Guardians of the Galaxy, mm-hmm. since that movie Thor: The Dark World will spend so much time hopping around essentially these different planets and, and realms and all that. So, uh, so did you get a chance to? Was there, was there anything that you? noticeably heard like the audience react to weirdly or not. Uh, for me, the, the scene with Mark Ruffalo at the end was almost like dead silent. Like, I don't think people realized that was Mark Ruffalo until the guy sitting next to them was like, that was the guy who plays Hulk. Right. Like, I don't even think people recognized him for, and I mean, the clip was not particularly long. It was maybe like a minute or something. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so there there was that. And then, of course, there was uh, a moment where I just felt insanely old for some reason. Is The, the scene where uh, uh, Tony Stark is riding Rhodey about the Iron Patriot name, which, by the way, I thought that whole thing was funny. He's like, ah, oh, it's such a war machine, such a cooler name. Um, and that those kids come up for autographs. And he's like, I loved you in a Christmas story, by the way. Yeah, I thought and that was pretty good. I laughed, Jen laughed, two other people laughed, and then I'm like, holy shit, I feel so <laughs> old that nobody... It's either that joke is not hilarious at all, and they don't think that kid looked like Ralphie from A Christmas Story, or Or, or they don't nobody have knew. TBS, you know what I mean? Right. <laughs> they don't watch television on Christmas. Right. Um, uh, no, I mean, the, you know, the, there was just a couple of parts where typically, like, I usually find myself as that guy that freaks out about something just so minuscule, uh, mm-hmm. you know, that I'm like, oh my god, and people just start looking like, what the hell is this guy freaking out about? Like, for one, when the, the Hawkbuster armor came on, I mean, the, the oh, Silver yeah. Centurion, I mean, the, the stealth armor, there were so many different armors, yeah, the Heartbreaker, like, I was literally just freaking out, like, for a good they ten actually, minutes straight, just like, oh my to- god. Yeah. Well, I was going to say he actually referred to Heartbreaker by name, but I, he never said Hulkbuster, but I guess that would be confusing to people. Right. People would be like, but they're friends. Right, yeah, yeah. The, so yeah, I guess just, that's why they didn't mention it, but... Yeah, I mean, but yeah, it just... And there were a couple of little nods like that, just for like the real comic book geeks. Uh, when Happy Hogan uh, references to Bambi off-screen, Bambi in the comic books is Tony's uh, long-standing uh, personal assistant. Right. So I mean, you know, there was just a, a couple little nods like that. Uh, Betsy Brandt, the uh, the redheaded gal with the one arm, who uh, who mm-hmm. went on killer fighting Tony. She uh, her character name. I don't know if they're going to keep her going or what exactly is going going down with her. I'm, I'm assuming she died. Uh, but in the comic books, she is married to Man Thing, which is Marvel's version of Swamp Thing. 
Right. Uh, and she's also pretty heavily, maybe not heavily involved, but she's a, an ancillary character for Doctor Strange. Mm-hmm. It so, could have just been so. It it could be something, but it could have just been something as simple as you know, let's throw a a bone to the people who are really right. paying attention. Yeah, to, to the mega fans out there. Yeah, let's uh, let's just wet their palate a little bit because nobody else, you know, they had no clue. Like when when they said Betsy Brandt, like I sat her right in my chair, and you know, I was kind of looking at me and it's like, oh, I'll tell you later because you know, it, it gets <laughs> she gets yes. a little a little upset. Like you know, every couple minutes I'm whispering something, she's like, just shut up. It's like, oh, okay, I'm sorry. I gotta, <laughs> I gotta maintain here. The uh, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna have a lot of problems with this. I'm gonna be talking people's internet ears off in a couple of weeks because if the indications are or anything, there's supposed to be a there were a lot of hints and teases and little inside things in the uh, the 2009 Star Trek movie, and I hear that the this new film is no has no shortage. How of, great was that trailer? Um, yeah, I was gonna say, were there any? What great trailers did did you see, or did you not see any great trailers before? Oh, I, I, I saw all great. Tra- you know, obviously, you know, Star Trek uh, Into Darkness, uh, Man of Steel were the ones that really just popped out in my oh, mind. Like, it, you it got was, a great Man of Steel trailer. I didn't get that. Is oh, that, we that's did. the one. That's the one we've seen before, though, right? That's it the... was one we seen, but but there was a couple other shots, uh, additional shots of. Uh, oh, what is that? I can't. I of uh, Michael uh, Shannon. Yep. As uh, as Zod. Zod, like really just like freaking out about like you know about Cal El and, and things like that. Like you know just it was a couple second clips of there where he's just screaming about it. You can just tell like this dude is just gonna be wasting ass in that movie. And it was so good because we, we we you know we we, uh, we saw it at the uh, the extreme IMAX. It's like the the screen that's like you know eighty feet or you know just yeah. some ridiculous kind of number. So like really like just seeing these trailers just literally take up an entire So did you see it in three D or two D? Three D. Okay, so how was the three D real quick? Uh you know, a, a lot of three D movies, if they don't make it like the obvious, like, you know, you know, why is Iron Man using a yo yo you know in this scene? Right. Kinda. Why is Iron Man throwing a pie at the screen? Right, yeah, that <laughs> kind of thing. Uh it's it's really just like super, super crisp like H D. You know, it's almost like four D or three uh, D H D to where, you know, mm-hmm. you're not reaching out and touching, you know, Robert Denny Jr.'s goatee or anything, but it's just so crisp, it's like, you know, it just it kinda enhances uh, you know, what you're doing. And plus like the, the sound systems uh for that three D IMAX theater are just incredible. Like the the floors were vibrating. I mean it was Oh, it was really as, as immersive uh, as, as it could have been. Yeah, it was. It was. I saw. Insane. I just saw it in two D in your your run of the mill movie theater, but um, still a sight to behold. Yeah, I uh, I was treated to uh, Fast and the Furious eight hundred trailer. Oh god, yeah, we saw that one. When did that? When I I could be wrong because I did watch the very first one and I thought it was okay, but I thought that was more about like racing and stuff, and now it seems to be about tanks and bridge jumps and explosions like what happened to wasn't it about racing originally? I, I i really think that this goes back to the rock like you know the the guy is a franchise saver and they're really playing to his strengths with this which is just you know yeah. paramilitary like you know ass kickery you know what i mean so yeah. they're gonna they're gonna alter the story to to suit him you know <laughs> hunger games trailer saw that oh we didn't get that one um that looked okay that was the first time i saw it i haven't uh, I had not seen it and was, uh, I'm not sure what was going on when the trailer came out cause we didn't get up on the website, but, uh, you know, that, that looked okay, but it was more of a teaser. They really didn't show a whole lot. More of it was like bad things are going to happen and you did things and now worse things are going to happen, but they didn't really show a whole <laughs> lot. Um, 
It was one of those trailers. Right. Uh, we saw we we saw a sort of trailer for the Lego Avengers video game. I don't know if you caught that. Uh, not at our theater, but I have I have uh, seen it uh, online. My kid's gonna go nuts. That's on the Christmas list at the very least. Yeah. She can't coax it out before then. I'm going nuts too, man. I'm like, <laughs> she's not uh, the only one. Uh, but yeah, I mean that Star Trek. I mean I'd seen that Star Trek trailer a bunch of times, but nothing really beats seeing it on a big screen with an awesome sound system. I'm saying seeing that trailer in IMAX, I was just like, oh my <sighs> god, it was just it, it was so much. Like really, like I, I highly recommend if you can get to an IMAX theater for that for that movie. It's a must. You do it, yes, absolutely. Like the I've only seen two movies in that IMAX theater so far, and you know they were The Hobbit and then Iron Man three. So I'm definitely looking forward to start tracking it up. Uh, oh, so also, you saw the you saw the Hobbit? Was that in 3D as well? Yep. Was that the 48 frames? It was. Okay, so how, I never, I never knew this. How did that look? I loved it. I mean, but yeah, I, I'm, you know, I'm. Oh, no, maybe we did. Talk. So like, I, I'm used to seeing, you know, a maybe bunch we of did their. Talk about it. I thought oh. maybe we had, because uh, I know we've had this conversation before, where you're like, well, I'm used to like the BBC television, right. and they they've yeah, been shooting that, like that. That's stuff. how they film all their shit anyway. So I was used to it. It didn't, you know, didn't bother me at all. Um, okay, so up on the website right now, we have that Iron Man three review i gave it four geeky glasses and aaron's like how <laughs> dare you uh, where i'm at my friend <laughs> the uh also joe mcdonald posted some news about the uh did you see this the ghostbusters uh blu-ray remastered but it's the 4K. in the, uh, the 4k yeah i mean which... I, I i couldn't agree with him more where he's like you know i was one of the suckers about the blu-ray but it kind of looks like shit mm-hmm. <laughs> i was right with him on that one i mean i don't think it looks like shit at all but i mean if you do get closer right you do see like some of the pixelation start to happen and in some movies where the transfer isn't as good basically 4k means four times the the resolution which means four times the pixels and the that's all packed more tightly so you can get up closely to the tv and not even see the pixelation basically they're very 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 tiny and uh, the picture is that much more clear and uh, reportedly uh, because my blu-ray player is going uh we've had that for quite a few years and we're due for a tv upgrade at some point too obviously you need a tv that's compatible with 4k but uh apparently the uh the 4k blu-ray players uh almost perfectly upscale your blu-rays and in some cases even dvds to make them much much more clear so this is not one of those things where it's like everyone throw your Blu-rays away now, because uh, the the it's not a completely perfect upscale, but they said it's a near perfect upscaling, so it's not it would not be worth. And it's not like you need a, a you know a ninety five inch screen or whatever to view the movie on. It's just you we're talking we're talking slightly <laughs> right. We're just talking slightly better resolution, and you know if you have a small TV, don't even worry about it. Right, because if you have a small TV, you're not even going to get to enjoy 1080p. No, so, I mean, uh, I'm excited about it. Like, I want to be able to see exactly, like, you know, how closely Bill Murray resembles uh, Edward James, almost like in the <laughs> cheek region. Are you speaking? Are you speaking ill will of Admiral Adama because uh, can't have? He's a follower of mine on Twitter. Right? No, 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 not at all. I'm just saying that they they very closely resemble one another. Uh, as does Chris Pine from uh, for the review of the Star Trek Blu-ray. So say we all. Right. Uh, <laughs> the uh, um, where was I going? Oh, okay. Also up on the website, we I have the uh, 
the review for the uh, the Star Trek game for PlayStation Three, uh, which um, I was mildly disappointed with. Mm. That's a shame. It is uh, largely because I saw I didn't hate it. I gave it like three geeky glasses, which is basically average. Um, so for most people, diehard Star Trek fan might be worth getting. Uh, not so diehard, you know, probably worth a rental at least. I wouldn't say, you know, turn your nose up at it and forget about it entirely. There, there are definitely some good points in the game, but it's, it's also, it's, it's disappointing on, on, on certain levels because it seems like this game took a very long time for them to develop and they took, it seemed that they took their time, but the game doesn't feel like a game that had that much time taken on it. If uh, if you know what I'm saying, like it, yeah, there certainly feels like well, geez, this is awfully like it. It felt underdeveloped in in some way. Well, just because I've played so many games on the PlayStation Three, I know how big a Blu-ray disc is and how much data it can hold. And I'm looking at the game, and there's only so much content on the game. I've played games that are far better packed with content, like they really load up stuff, various modes and things like that. Um, and I was just so confused as to why the, the graphics didn't look quite as good. Like there are times where it looks, you know, it, like PS2 at best. Yeah. yeah. And I'm like, Ooh, what the, what the hell? Uh, but largely, largely I would say that the story was, was, is, is pretty good. Um, it's mass effect esque in, in some ways, but completely without all of the things that made mass effect great. Um, it doesn't play like a branching story like Mass Effect does. It's more straight through like an Arkham City uh, story where you're not really choosing a lot of options for the story. You're just playing through a story. Um, and, this, and it's Gorn-centric, <laughs> which, is, which is actually pretty awesome. They did like various classes of Gorn. And, they, they, and speaking of class, they classed So it, it was a veritable Gornocopia? Yes, it was, sir. Thank There's you. so many Gorn puns you could throw in there. <laughs> Um, here in Gorn, right? The, uh, no, I mean there is a uh, the, the. I mean there are pluses, obviously. Uh, all the all the cast did the voice acting, and most of them were pretty great. Usually, you get a cast voice acting a video game, and they tend to just phone it in from their cell phone. Literally, sometimes I think where they're just like, "Okay, what do I got to say here? All right, don't go down there." I, you know. Uh, but they, these guys actually did a pretty good job. Um, Michael Gaicino, who scores the movies, wrote a completely original score for the game, and it's really good. Hmm. Uh, in fact, there are quite a few uh, there are quite a few pieces in there that really harken back to like original Star Trek. Like it's very clear that he took um, you know pieces from the Star Trek TV show and reworked them. Uh, so. That's all sorts of cool stuff. Like, I really wouldn't mind a, a soundtrack from the game. I enjoyed right. it that much. Um, the story itself is pretty good, and the uh, like the like the writer said, uh, the writers for this particular brand of Star Trek has said that everything they put their hands on is canon. Hmm. Unlike previous Star Trek, where books and uh, video games and things like that were unrelated, these are uh, if they if there's a comic book and they have. Their input, or they've written a story, or whatever. That's all canon. Video game, they have a hand on the story, then it's canon. And uh, wow. the game, the game literally does tie in the last uh, 
post there's actually a post credit scene in the game where it's uh, <laughs> Kirk giving a supplemental log after the mission and mentions that Admiral Pike uh, has just sent word that they have to go to Nabriu for a humanitarian mission, and that would be the so planet. So that's leading right into the movie. Right, that would be the planet with all the red plants and stuff where they jump off the cliff and everything like oh, that. Oh, wow. Um, and supposedly, from people who have seen the movie, there is at least one reference that either directly or indirectly references the events of the game. So they no treat kid. it as if they treat it as if it is a story that happened in that universe and that those characters you see on screen actually uh experienced or whatever so maybe because they they spent so much time just with the story like they really felt mm-hmm. they didn't really have to develop that you know uh, put that much time into the actual gaming engine and all that right um i mean the story itself is not a tremendous story i mean it's not this insanely deep story. i mean essentially it's a um it, the story revolves around a device that the vulcans are using to quickly develop new vulcan um, to kind of terraform it quicker or something. To, and one of their scientists was messing around with it or whatever, and it ripped open this hole in space or whatever, and the Gorn came through it like they're from another, not dimension, but from another, uh, how do I want to put that? Uh, like another, another, when you say universe, it makes it sound like it's another. Right. Uh, they're not from the Milky Way galaxy. Right. <laughs> They're from another galaxy, and they come through, and uh, they want to take the device so they can, you know, have more Gorn come through and conquer planets and things like that. And as a result, there's a Vulcan scientist that gets kidnapped, and you have to go re- rescue the scientist. And then Gorn, you know, eventually ships latch onto the Enterprise, and then there's Gorn on the Enterprise, and you have to go all over the ship and fight Gorn and rescue people and develop, you know, some kind of vaccine with bones to help crew members and things like that. There's there's all sorts of stuff. It's not all shoot 'em up, but I would say 85% of the game is shoot 'em up, so. Hmm. Um like I said, it might be worth a rental. Um it's not a terribly difficult game to get through. I mean, there's not a difficult thing on the entire game. The 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 end boss battle um was not very hard, so. Huh. <laughs> but it's 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 also not horrible. Um I had a, I I enjoyed playing it, so. Um, that being said, that movie's opening in a couple of weeks and their, uh, <laughs> Iron Man is obviously, I think, what did it do? Like 68 million on its opening day? Yes. Which is ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, Star Trek's going to do better than that for its opening weekend, but it's not going to have Iron Man 3's opening weekend. Do they calculate the opening weekend? Uh, I thought it was 175. <laughs> yeah. I think it's, it's officially number two for like best opening, uh, ever. Star Trek's not going to do that. Um, they are track that they are tracking it conservatively at eighty-five million for the opening weekend. That's that's still monster though. That's great, actually. Yeah. That's that's way better than two thousand nine Star Trek did, and apparently they're tracking it to do much much better overseas as well. I think uh, LBC three is mostly to uh, to credit there. I think. Yeah. Um, just because he's... I, I think he may actually be worshipped in Japan. I'm not sure. Yeah, he very uh, well might be. Like, I, I'm really hoping since they're back to filming now, maybe, you know, we might just be able to stumble upon, you know, some some good Sherlock goodness while Sherlock, we're out there. Yes. Aaron's uh, Aaron's trip to, to Europe is, is... Well, not Europe's... I guess in general, yes, but specifically... Right. <laughs> 
specifically England. Yeah, um, the Greater London happen- area. Is it? Ha- oh, it's in the Greater London area. Yes, sir. Okay, so that's you're leaving for that in a couple of days as of this recording. Yeah, Wednesday night. Craziness, sir. What's the yeah. itinerary looking like? So you're leaving Wednesday night. When are you getting there? Uh, like Thursday morning. Uh, you know, around uh, you know, noonish or something like that. We uh. You know, the uh, first day is pretty wide open. We're just going to kind of stagger around uh, London, you know, the London Eye, uh, you know, Tower of London, London Dungeon, all that good stuff. And then uh, Friday morning, we head out. Uh, it's a two-hour train ride from London to Cardiff for the Doctor Who experience. Okay. We're also going to stop in front of, like, the, the Torchwood site and all that and yep. just kind of do the, the, the prototypical nerd, like, you know, posing like Captain Jack Harkness with a fake gun yes. uh, kind of <laughs> deal, like finger guns. <laughs> and then the Doctor Who experience, and my wife got really excited because, as it turns out, we'll actually be in London, uh, you know, to watch Doctor Who, you know, like like all the the Londoners, uh, and it just ha- just happens to be the episode that Neil Gaiman wrote, and she's ah. a big Neil Gaiman mark, so yeah, yeah. she really just sort of bounced off the walls once we put two and two together about that last night. Uh, Saturday is just kind of like a wide open sort of a day for museums, things like that, and then Sunday morning we start off with the Harry Potter uh, WB Studio tour. So you're going to have a lot of pictures being taken, I, I presume. Yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, ex- I'm excited, too, as somebody who is starting to really delve into Doctor Who. Uh, I, I'm starting to get uh, kind of excited as well. I'm, je- I'm, I'm starting to become jealous. I'm, right. not quite, <laughs> I'm not quite there. I'm not quite there yet because uh, I'm, not, I'm not that far into the mythos, but... Uh, does the uh, here's here's an interesting question for somebody who's followed uh, who for for quite a while. Yes, sir. Um, w- does the does the series once it firmly uh, falls into like the 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 Moffat era that does that now does that happen near the end of the David Tennant run or does that happen when Matt Smith joins in? No, no, no. That's uh, it's like halfway through Tennant when uh, Moffat officially takes over for Russell T Davies. So um, at, at any point, does the series change at that point, like the type of show that it is? Because from what I've seen so far, a lot of it seems more – because I'm sitting there watching it, and I'm like, boy, sometimes the show seems kind of campy. you know, like, like over campy or goofy. Yeah, and I'm like, right. oh, well, you know what? I think it might be more of a family show than it is – well, for straight up adults, it is. Yeah, that's how it, 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 it. It's it's a kid show in London, essentially. Like right. that's exactly what it is. It's you know, it, it's a it's a child show. Right. Um. Yeah. There's definitely there's definitely a, a tonal change when Stephen Moffat uh, takes over, and you can really start seeing like the the episodes he has his hands in are are the ones where they really start laying the seeds for for callbacks, essentially. Uh, yeah. From from. You know, for future episodes and everything like that. So, I think he actually. When did he take over? I know he started working as a writer in 2004 when they were first starting to come back. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as he took over at showrunner in I think, 2008. Didn't he, didn't he do the uh, the episode with the uh, the uh, the girl in the fireplace? He's with done the... a, a ton of those episodes. I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to remember that was. That was in season two somewhere. Um, no, the, the girl in the fireplace was uh, three, I believe, because Mickey, cause Mickey was on board with uh, with the Doctor and Rose at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, yeah, r- r- uh, yeah. Actually, the that's right about when he took over. He took over like an episode before then. 
The disposal of Rose, by the way, was a heartbreaking episode. <laughs> Even though she didn't die, I thought that was actually more genius. You mean the, like when she ended up in the alternate universe? Yeah. Yeah. And, and mainly, and mainly how David Tennant uh, played it. It was it was jarring to see tears rolling down his face. Yeah, like th- that dude can act his tits off. Yeah, I mean, because he seems so not aloof, but he's just so you know fancy free. You know, he's like so carefree, just playful. Yeah, I mean, very, even when like playful. they're in severe danger, he is just like, okay, let's go fix it. You yeah, know, he he, he, you can tell, like you know, as the doctor, he always enjoys like every moment of it. Like, because I, I think that comes through because he was just such a geek about it when he was a kid growing up. Like, he always, you know, had mm-hmm. dreamed about, you know, that's why he became an actor was to was to play the doctor. And I think you know, you can always just see, like, you know, like that kid inside him who's always just like, oh my god, I'm Doctor Who. That's so you interesting. Know what I, mean? I didn't you can know see that, that yeah. in his portrayal. Yeah, it actually, uh, it's pretty funny because you know he grew up as a big fan of Doctor Who, uh, and uh, his now wife. Is uh, is a uh, uh, is it uh, Peter Davison's daughter? He was the eighth Doctor. Wow. Yeah. Just so, randomly. and actually, she played uh, the very first incarnation of the Doctor's daughter in an episode titled "The Doctor's Daughter." Wow. Okay. Yeah. So there's <laughs> he's obviously a long history with the uh, uh, with the franchise. I I didn't know that. That would be like some. You know, that would be like me growing up to play, you know, captain on a Star Trek TV right. show. I'm sorry, uh, Peter Davison was the fifth Doctor. Sorry out there for everyone. for Everyone was about to send us yeah. hate mail. Yeah, seriously. Like, oh, you dick. Urgh. Right. Uh, no. Uh, yeah. Uh, so where exactly are you at right now, like in the show? Jeez. Um, it's uh, – I am only a few episodes – in like when he picks up the new uh I got I can't remember her name out cuz she's brand new but the the his second companion oh Frame Edgeman uh yes yes Martha Jones yeah I'm only I'm only a couple episodes into their to their run have you done uh, have you already seen Gridlocked uh no or is that the one that that's, that's probably the one that's coming up then um so how did how did she how long does she stick around for she has a see uh well uh, she has a season, and then uh, she reoccurs at some point. Uh, she she's in a couple of the of the, of the specials, like you know, the David Tennant's ah. uh, you know uh, Swan Song as the Doctor was done as a special, and not just as uh, you know just, a, a normal run. And uh, right. Martha and her family are pretty heavily heavily involved in that. Right. Okay. But but as is uh, the Doctor's next companion, her. Her her family's involved with it as well as is she like you know uh, David Tennant's you know goodbye arc is really something special like it you're you're in for I I'm envious right now that you're gonna be seeing this stuff for the first time oh, again. just get to just to to relive it yeah it, it's, those it's just so good circumstances yeah I'm I'm always uh, that's one thing I am always jealous of I always try to get people to watch the things that I love. Just because I can live vicariously through them for a moment when I'm like, oh, how was it when this happened? Right. What did you think of this episode? You know, like when you know the really great stuff happens and you only get to uh, relive that once. I mean, there's always stuff that always is going to get emotion out of me or I'm always going to feel the same way when I watch it. But the literally there's only one first time for it. Right. Uh, You never really get hit with something. Uh, whether it's sad or awesome or whatever it is, you only get hit with it one time. So uh, for the first time, that is. 
so yeah, man, I, uh, I, I don't know. I'll, I'll let you know. I'm, I'm really, cause everybody's like, you're going to really, really, really like the show near the end of David Tennant's run. And then from there forward, um, I, I don't, I, I, I would disagree to a, to a point cause I like it now, but yeah. people are saying you're really, really going to like it later. So yeah, uh, it, 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 it's different for everybody. Like, you know, I came on and I, I first started watching the show like week to week, you know, uh, when Matt Smith was maybe a couple episodes into his run, so mm-hmm. I went back and you know just Netflix the shit out of you know Chris Freckleson through David Tennant, so I, I got to see you know each one of their portrayals, and you know Chris Freckleson like he had a lot of good stuff to do, like I liked him as the Doctor, but then David Tennant like his four years it was just like holy shit, mm-hmm. like the, it was just so much better you know than than Chris Freckleson. It's like oh my god, like it's just so good, and yeah. seeing him transition to Matt Smith. It's not that Matt Smith is better. He's just as as brilliant as David Tennant. It's just a, a different portrayal. Like you know, yeah. the, the aspects of his Doctor's personality are different than David Tennant's. Uh well, I guess we're going to end it on Doctor Who talk for this week. <laughs> um, sorry that we did not get to delve way more into other things, but uh, we're on a tight schedule here, right. and we're we're recording a couple of days late actually. So. Um, well, we, we we had to see the movie. Yes, and we will we will be back next week, uh, talking with uh, fan film director Andrew List, who is already working on his uh, his next thing. But I have a feeling we're going to talk for like an hour plus purely about Superman. Uh, so you're going to get that next week, and then we're going to be back. Hopefully, Aaron will be back and has seen Star Trek Into Darkness. Uh, by the time he is back for for the next podcast in a couple of weeks, so oh, and as well, uh, you know uh, the the uh, I get back uh, the week of the thirteenth, and that that weekend, uh, the seventeenth to the nineteenth, uh, I will be at Motor City Comic Con. Good lord! So there is so much going on. Yeah, I, I get to meet Stan Lee, so I am the craziest. I am I am beside myself. Plus, Star Trek's <laughs> opening that weekend. I so. know. So much stuff to do. Not enough time to do it. Um, Okay, so as a second reminder, you can always join us on the .com, cinemageekly.com, and uh, we're also on Facebook, Twitter, and Google+, Plus, all at Cinema Geekly, and on iTunes. uh, Rate the podcast, people. Come on. 30 30 podcasts. At one point, it seemed like we were going to have so many more, and then weekly became bi-weekly, became monthly became bi-monthly became just not doing them for a while i blame hollywood that's what i blame too <laughs> more creativeness hollywood exactly. how, how dare you give us another movie with con and you should have thought of a new character instead right. start remaking all those shitty movies and make them really good leave the good ones alone an iron man movie with iron man in it come on haven't we seen that already right uh, <laughs> all right well aaron dude enjoy the trip man and safe travels obviously Thank you, sir. oh yeah uh, and we will be back next week on the Sim Geekly podcast. Mm-hmm.